Good afternoon on this, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Um, what a great day to come together, even though I'm telling you, I'm, I'm tired today. So we have uh, been doing all the decorating for Christmas. And so um, I decorate the rectory and I decorate the offices and uh, put up all these trees and um, so, and then we have the staff party and that. So not only do I decorate, I have to clean up again, what everybody else does, but as a, as a priest, I got to do it cause I don't have, uh, um, a wife to do that or anybody else. And so it's, and I enjoy doing it. Usually there's just so much. And then this year I got my mother's tree that I put up for her in the past years and, I put that in my office and then uh, all her ornaments throughout the years that my grandmother had made. So it really looks like a very la la tree. But again, it's, uh, it reminds me of my mother, my grandmother, my sister. And so I got that up and so I'm almost done. I have a friend coming tonight. By God's grace, he's coming earlier as opposed to he was going to come like at 10 or 11 o'clock. And I pray tonight from three to four, but I just, He's coming from Steubenville, leaving there about 5 o'clock. So I have Mass at 7. So again, we're just uh, tired, but so excited to celebrate the great feast of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of our mother, that you gave her to Jesus, and Jesus gave her to us on the cross. We thank you for the grace that you gave her and that you give us. That before the world, before you created us, before the world began, you chose her and you chose us to be holy in your sight, to be filled with love. As Mary said yes and allowed your will to come to be on this earth, may we also say yes and let your will come to be in us and on this earth. We beg you these things, Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, and I am Father Larry Richards, and it's great to have you on this, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Because of that today, I want to focus on Mary. Uh, we did a little bit of that last week. Last week when we talked about uh, John the Baptist and we talked about Mary. So my staff had asked me what I wanted to call that. And I was uh, thinking about we're just going to imitating the Baptist and Mary, imitating the Baptist and Mary. Um, because that's what we talk about for Advent, that we want to imitate John the Baptist. We want to imitate our Blessed Mother, and do as they did with humility, with saying yes. So uh, imitating the Baptist and, our, and Mary. But today I just want to focus on Mary and what we believe about her in tradition or devotion and scripturally. Huh? Um, and again, I, I have, again, on my uh, talks on uh, Anch uh, in... Um, Hope TV, you can just get Mary and I have two. I do an hour-long presentation on each of these topics, Mary in, in Scripture and Mary in Devotion. You know, 
Next to the Eucharist, which is Jesus himself, my greatest devotions to Our Lady. Our Lady has always um, taken care of me. I, it's weird. I believed in our Blessed Mother before I believed in Jesus. Don't even ask. I have no idea how that's possible. But it's like Our Lady took me by the hand and led me to Jesus. And um, she always leads me to Jesus. And you do realize that the last words spoken of Mary in the word of God are in John's gospel. And um, if, you know, again, we talk about this all the time, but when we go to John's gospel at the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2, you know, after she looked at Jesus and says, they have no wine, and he says, what does this concern of yours have to do with me? And then she slapped him. Uh, no, but <laughs> it would seem like my mother would have done that to me. She have slapped me. And I said, and, but what does she do? His mother instructed those waiting at table, the last line she ever spoke in the scriptures, is do whatever he tells you. And Mary, from all these years, always says those words even when we talk about fatima lords and everything else we always go back to scripture do whatever he tells you and uh when we do that we can never uh, go astray mary always points to jesus you know again sometimes people sit there and think mary uh, gets in the way and again i always like these are my cheaters and i need my cheaters to see all these things and to read everything and you don't get stuck on the cheaters. I don't put these on to uh, look at the glass. I put these on to look through the glass so I can see other things more clearly. Mary is like a pair of cheaters. You put her on and you look through her so you can see Jesus better, that you can hear Jesus better. Nobody listened to Jesus or looked at Jesus more than Mary did. Think about it from the moment that he was born to the moment he died. Mary looked at him. No one looked at him more. So if we want to get closer to Jesus, when we get closer to our mother, uh, she always brings us to Jesus. That's how you can always tell uh, an orthodox and a good theology of Mary if it leads you to Jesus. Because our mother always leads us to Jesus. She doesn't lead us to herself. And Again, sometimes people um, use Mary, and I say what we gotta do instead of using Mary is we gotta love Mary. We don't get stuck at Mary. Mary leads us to Jesus. So again, we need to be, when we're in relationship with our mother, we need to be in relationship with Jesus. You know, my late sister, um, I used to like, look at her incredulously because she never went to church but she had great devotion to our blessed mother she talked about mary all the time and i used to say you know you gotta talk to jesus too i mean he is god you know mary is not god we don't worship her we honor her we love her because the last gift that uh, jesus gave us of course on the cross was mary again for that in scripture uh, we go to the last uh we go to stay in John's gospel, and in John's gospel, we go to the crucifixion, and if we go to the crucifixion, we see here in uh, John chapter 19, verse 25 and following, 
and we're really going to spend time on 27. But near the cross of Jesus, there stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clophis, and Mary Magdalene. Seeing his mother there with the disciple whom he loved, Jesus said to his mother, Woman, there is your son. In turn, he said to the disciple, There is your mother. And from that hour onward, the disciple took her into his care. So the last gift that uh, Jesus Christ ever gave us on the cross was his mother. And John took her into his care. Now, you got to remember in the Gospel of John, when we're dealing with John, John always represents the whole church. And so when Jesus gives Mary to John, he gives her to us. Everything. John always represents all of us. So when he put his head on the chest of Jesus, we're all called to do that. And we do that every time uh, we go to Mass. And again, if you haven't saw, we put out my, uh, my meditation for a spiritual communion. Um, it's on YouTube and that here. So it's a, it's a thing I say every day at Mass to invite people to make a spiritual communion, an act of faith and an act of spiritual communion. So if you haven't uh, seen that, I encourage you to go to it again. It's free, you know, so, uh, but it can help you really go into this intimacy. I'm always thinking that we need to fall more in love with Jesus. And to fall more in love with Jesus, we go to Mary. I often, and again, going to John's gospel, you know, where we just were, and we're talking about do whatever he tells you. When Mary goes and look, goes to Jesus and says they have no wine, I've always sat there and says, Mary, you go to Jesus for me, please, and say he has no love, love for him, love for others. And so as Jesus can take water and make it wine, I always say, tell him to change my heart to help me to love uh, God more and to love other people more. And again, um, in my style, uh, you know, I'm never going to be a tiptoe through the tulip type person. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to be, you know, always affirming in that. I always go to uh, how did Jesus deal with the apostles? How did Jesus deal with others? You know, there was times he could be very, very gentle, and there was times he could be very, very harsh, you know. So uh, they were all there. But the thing about him is he was real. And that's why I always like the thing about Mary, too, is she was real. We sometimes regulate Mary into a statue. And, you know, and again, you do realize we cannot worship statues. Um, and, you know, it's like carrying a picture of my mother. I have a picture and I have a picture in my chapel and I see my physical mother every day when I walk into my chapel and I say, hi, mom, because I know she sees the face of God because I anointed her seven times, forgave her her sins, gave her last rites, da, da, da. So I know she sees the face of God. And so when I go in there and I see, I know that picture is not my mother. Also in my chapel, I have pictures of the Blessed Mother, and I have a statue of Our Lady in Mount Carmel. And I know that that statue is not my mother in heaven. It's to remind me of Our Lady so again, sometimes people get all devotional to statues. And I always say, you go, just make sure you're not worshiping a statue because sometimes people get pretty close to that, that you're going to that statue to remind you of our mother. And again, I'm sure, you know, I've told the story about uh, 
the old woman who comes in every day into the cathedral and she says the rosary and they're in the middle of um, uh, doing construction at the cathedral and so they said let's have some fun with this woman so as she comes in every day and says the rosary looking there a statue of our blessed mother the guy says hello nothing the old woman keeps saying the rosary he says hello nothing he says i'll get her this time and he goes hello this is jesus and the old woman stops saying the rosary turns around looks up and says shut up i'm talking to your mother <laughs> you know isn't that terrible oh my gosh but that's how people are when they're praying the rosary or just praying in general and they're saying hey i don't want to hear anything i just want to pray and get our blessed mother to give me what i need and again, I do that all the time. So I'm not just sitting there saying, oh, look at those people. I mean, constantly, I go to Our Lady and I do that, um, the, the devotional of the Mini Novena, where I say that I got from Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And Mini Novena is uh, 10 memorares, uh, nine in petition and one in thanksgiving. And uh, for Our Lady answering our prayer, or answering our request and so it's so funny because uh mother Teresa would be in the middle and she'd want someone should and someone would say no or whatever and she was should stop and she'd say her mini novena and she always got it our lady's done the same thing with me you know and it's always like something as simple as uh when i was flying uh, a couple months ago the pilot got on and he says it's going to be very bad turbulence he says the whole way it's just nothing but turbulence so just the Gibeons all the heads up and I always think why do they have to tell us this but anyway so I did my mini novena asking our lady to no turbulence guess what no turbulence not even a little bit so our lady always uh, treats me quite well and so I always run to her but as a little child looking to his mother uh, for when we're in need we got to remember that she wants us to live forever, not just give us the little things, no turbulence on a plane. She wants us to go to heaven. And so the best way to do that is to allow her son Jesus to truly be our Savior and Lord. So she's, again, always leading us to Jesus, always taking us to Jesus. And not only then, but through... Out, you know, so even St. Augustine, if you go and you read St. Augustine, just a couple of weeks ago, St. Augustine had a reflection on the Blessed Mother. And he says that uh, just because she formed or she was his physical mother doesn't matter. She was first before she formed Jesus in her womb, or God formed Jesus in her womb, of course, but before he was born in her womb, she had to first be a disciple through her yes. So Mary's in Scripture as the perfect disciple, the one who follows Jesus, the one who follows the will of the Father. And so she has to be our model for that, as we talked about last week. But then again, she leads us always to Christ, and we have to learn from her how to be that perfect disciple. But that's the main thing she is in Scripture's the perfect disciple, leading us to Jesus. But Our Lady wasn't content on just staying there. huh? Just like Jesus has come and appeared to us and revealed himself to us 
you know, through uh, Divine Mercy, when he uh, appeared to Sister Faustina, um, you know, the Sacred Heart, when he appeared to Saint Margaret Mary Alacook. Our Lady has come to a couple places on earth, uh, the ones that... Uh, you, and again, I've talked about this before. You do not have to believe in any of the Marian apparitions to be a good Catholic because it's not the core of the faith. I mean, I think it's a good idea, but according to the teaching of the church, you do not have to believe in those things. Uh, when they've been okayed by the church, it says there's nothing in there that's against the faith. So you are welcome to do that. Uh, again, the problem becomes is when we just focus on Fatima or we just focus on Guadalupe or we just focus on um, Lourdes or uh, Garibaldi or what, Garibaldi, whatever, uh, whatever that one is, or Medjugorje or whatever it happens to be, whether they're approved or not approved. The purpose always is not to bring us closer to Mary. The purpose always is to bring us closer to Jesus. So again, I've experienced people throughout all these years that I've been a Catholic priest that are more concerned about Fatima and what Our Lady says there than they are about the scriptures. So again, when it comes to me, if it comes to the, what Jesus said in his Bible and his word and what Our Lady said at uh, Fatima, I'll always go what Jesus said, always. Because also, the, sometimes the apparitions uh, don't jive. They don't uh, agree with each other, and they don't have to. Uh, Mary appears at different times for different reasons. You know, my greatest devotion of any of the devotions is to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Huh? She's pregnant there. She's young there. They were killing people. Uh, human sacrifice was happening every day, and Our Lady appeared, and everything stopped. And the whole country became Catholic. Not to Our Lady, but to Jesus. And so, Our Lady will lead us to that. But again, just the, um, I've talked about it many times, uh, but at Guadalupe, you know, at Fatima, I always have, uh, there Our Lady appears and she says, I have to hold back the hands of Jesus who's very displeased and he wants to destroy everybody. And I'm, I always think, the same Jesus that went to the cross to die for my sins, are we talking about the same Jesus here? And then you can go, well, it says in Revelation, I get it. But Jesus went to the cross to die for my sins. And so when it comes to who's, uh, who's more compassionate, Jesus always wins out. So again, all the devotions are interpreted through the visionaries. That's why you do not have to believe in that. You know, um, so my favorite, of course, is Guadalupe. I also love Lourdes. You know, if you ever have a chance, I've been to Fatima, I've been to Lourdes, I've been to, um, <laughs> in France is the other one, La Salette, oh, uh, which is up past the, up deep, high in the mountains. When I was there, you actually went above the cloud line uh, to get there. And then the people that were there, they, you know, Our Lady was, uh, complaining about people weren't going to mass on sunday kind of like today and they weren't saying the full rosary and as uh, she was crying and so now they've reinterpreted that you know the, the priests and that well last time i was there it's been at least uh oh 12 years or so they would say why is mary crying and she would say because there's not <laughs> on the thing would say because there's not enough clean water for people to drink 
which might be true, but that wasn't why she was crying at La Salette. You know, so sometimes people reinterpret that and they remake things in their image and they can do that with devotions. Uh, and again, uh, like with Fatima, if the only reason I follow Jesus is because I don't want to go to hell. It's all about me. Now, again, every time I say the rosary, I say the Fatima prayer. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls into heaven, especially those in most need of your mercy. Because Our Lady says people go to hell like snowflakes in a snowstorm, and that's pretty scary. But Jesus said the same thing way before her. He says the road that leads to damnation, the, the uh, choose the narrow road. The road that leads to damnation is wide, and many people choose it. But how narrow is the way that leads to life, and how few there are who find it. So she just puts it in our language, what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. But again, we do what we do because we're in love. We don't do what we do because we're afraid. And sometimes that's where we have to begin. We begin there where we're afraid. But we don't end there, hopefully never. So again, we always go back to Guadalupe and go and re look this up and spend time with Our Lady here. Listen, my son. Oh. She said that, of course, to Juan Diego, but she says that to us. To what I tell you now, listen to what I tell you. Do not be troubled nor disturbed by anything. Do not fear illness nor any other distressing occurrence nor pain. Am I not your mother? Jesus said, Behold your mother. Am I not life and health? Have I not placed you on my lap and made you my responsibility? Is there anything else you need? Think about it. So Our Lady comes and she says, Don't be afraid. Haven't I put you on my lap? You're my son. You're my daughter. Haven't I put you on my lap? Is there anything else you need? You know, like, oh, please, no. You know, and so I just love that image. And she's, of course, Our Lady at uh, Guadalupe is the thing for pro-life. You know that uh, we got to be pro-life. But again, we have to change people's hearts for that reality. And Our Lady can do that. She changed the hearts of all Mexico not by threatening, but by loving. And so uh, sometimes people are afraid that uh, Jesus is too merciful at mercy, the Pope is too merciful. Um, people change because of love, not out of fear. So let's go to you right now. Why do you follow Jesus? Why do you follow Our Lady and take her into your care? Is it out of fear you're going to hell if you don't? Or is it out of love? Love for Jesus. Love for Mary. You know, again, think about, just think about your relationship with our Blessed Mother. Do you just use her? And again, I already told you, it's okay. But is that what you always do? Do you ever just sit in her lap? Do you ever tell her that you love her? Do you ever ask her to make you more holy? You know, when we celebrate today the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, we think about from all eternity, God chose Mary. Talk about grace. This I was saying this morning at Mass that this should be the Feast of Grace. 
because, again, Mary did nothing, nothing. Mary did nothing to be chosen by God. It was all grace. Again, we have to know the same thing. We're not special because God chooses us. Well, you know, we're not better because God chooses us. We do nothing, and yet he choose, chose us. And just like Mary, who was chosen, and she, again, the Feast of Immaculate Conception means, of course, that Mary was preserved from original sin from the moment she was conceived in the womb of her mother, Anne. So when Joachim and Anne were intimate, and Mary uh, was conceived, at that very moment, Jesus, God the Father took what Jesus would do on the cross, because God lives in an eternal now, and placed that at, on Mary and cleansed her of her sin before she was ever born. That's why Mary can say in the Magnificat in Luke's Gospel, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because she was saved by Jesus, but she was saved in the, her, in the womb of her mother because God the Father did that again. And the reason he did that was because Jesus could not take sinful flesh upon himself. Now, he would become sin on the cross. But when the God-man became, when the second person of Trinity, the Word, became flesh in the womb, which we call Jesus, he couldn't take sinful flesh. So he had to be purif- uh, that had to be purified from the moment of her conception so he could take on that pure flesh without sin. So it's all about Jesus, really. The whole Immaculate Conception, we have focus on Mary, but it's all about Jesus. And what we need to do is, like, if you listen to the gospel today, it's the Annunciation, of course, and Mary said yes. Because though Mary was free from sin, she still could have been tempted, right? She still could have sinned. My um, director of ministries asked me that today because Jesus was tempted. She still had free will. But... She was preserved from that, the temptation. Well, I mean, same thing, you could go back to Eve. Eve, before she had original sin, uh, still was tempted. But Mary stayed true to the Father. Huh? But she still had, she still had free will. She could have said no to the will of God. So again, when we talked last time about uh, Advent, we too have free will, and we always can say no to God, and that's what sin is called when we say no to God. But we have to be like Mary and say yes to God. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, same thing for us today as it was Mary. God chose us in him before the world began to be holy and blameless in his sight, as I already said. God chose Mary before the world began to be holy and blameless in his sight. He called us to do the same. So every day when we say yes to God's will, we're saying yes to that. Huh? And so again, if you need to help with that, if you haven't read the, my surrender book yet, I encourage you to read it. It's, a, it's just about saying yes to the will of God, how you know God's will, how to, uh, uh, how to live God's will, huh? the whole thing, how to discern that. You know, It's just called surrender. You can get it through here. You can get Amazon again. I'm not here to push the book. I'm just... It helps you to, you know, take what I'm saying now and, you know, meditate on it and think about it and how do I do this practically every day. Um, But again, when it comes to Mary, 
Mary is always, again, our mother who holds us and loves us and always leads us to Jesus. You know, again, as um, de Montfort said, and you know, that's why I wear this chain on my hand to remind me that I'm a slave of Jesus through Mary, that I've dedicated my life to her. I dedicated my priesthood to her when I was ordained at the Carmelite. And uh, right after my first Mass, I went to the Carmelite Monastery. I had my first Mass and a communion I knelt down, and uh, the sisters sang Salve Regina, and I knelt before Our Lady, statue of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, knowing it's just a statue, it's not Our Lady, and just rededicated my priesthood to her. She's always brought me to Jesus, and so I've always dedicated everything to her. You can never go astray, as I was going to say, Louis de Monfred said, don't worry that you love Mary too much. You will never love her as much as Jesus did. That's a beautiful reflection, I think, that we never have to worry if we truly, truly love Mary because we'll always do what she tells us to do. And she tells us to do whatever he tells you. Think about if that's what we would start doing every day of our life, all of us, I only exist to do whatever Jesus tells me. And I know that I have a mother that prays for me and it does everything so I will listen, so I will do whatever he tells me. Again, sometimes we think that God isn't in control, that, you know, it's this precipice we're always walking and, you know, which way will we go? When I know that I have a mother that's praying for me, when I know that Jesus, who is God, who died for me, when I know the Father in heaven sent Jesus, when I know that he gave me his Holy Spirit so his Spirit could live inside of me and help me to always to do God's holy will, I'm not living a life of fear. I'm trying to live more and more a life of love of God and love of others. Again, that can't be wrong, right? The God of love and Our Lady's praying for us. So today, let's go to our mother. John took Mary into his care. Have you taken Mary into your care? If not, today would be a great day to do that. Just ask Our Lady to come and to hold you, to place you in her lap and to lead you to Jesus. And she will. You got it? You get it? Are you going to live it? May each of you know his love and Mary's love today and forever. Amen. Okay. So now let's go in and start taking some questions. And again, what I just did with the Blessed Mother is a very, 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 very condensed version. So, again, you can go for free and uh, go to Hope TV and just put Mary in there, and you're going to hear all kinds of talks from me on Mary. You have Mary in devotion, Mary in scripture, and those two, that's a two hours, two different, an hour on devotion, an hour in scripture, and you'll find lots of other talks in that on our Blessed Mother. So, always, always put me in the context of everything I said, Never in the context of just part of what I said, which some people do, and, and then it's, uh, that's when I get in all kinds of trouble.
But okay, let's go here and start the questions. Thanks for being with me and for asking some. Harry, hi, Harry. Good evening, Immaculate Conception. An offbeat question. Is it possible that we might consider something like uh, the Jerusalem Talmud as containing a divinely inspired wisdom? Of course, you know, the church has taught that um, there's always vestiges of truth in all religions. There's some truth in there. Like, for instance, when Buddhism and Islam and everything else says we're called to love other people. <laughs> That's truth. We all say it. So there's a vestige of truth. There's God present in there in some way. You know, some people see all other religions except for Judaism, of course, and some even see it there. Uh, some of the saints <laughs> saw it there, that there's the devil is in it because they didn't come to Jesus or whatever. But the church doesn't go that direction. The church goes in a direction that there's some truth in all religion. Remember John Paul II, uh, when he went in, in um, uh, Assisi, and he, I think he kissed the, uh, the, uh, the Quran, and people went nuts. But John Paul II, this isn't Pope Francis now, this is John Paul, uh, saw again the true faith, the true teaching of the church, that the Catholic Church has the fullness of the faith, 100%, the fullness of the faith, but every other religion has some vestige, some part of truth. And so he was seeing what these people honor. And uh, so, again, it's kind of like what St. Paul did in scriptures. When Paul said, I see when he was, in, uh, he was in Greece, and he saw all these altars to all the gods, and there was one altar to the unknown God. He didn't go in there and start screaming and condemning all the other altars and all the other gods everybody was praying to, gods with a small g, of course. He said, oh, I see that you are praying to unknown God. Let me tell you who that is. So he built on what they already believed and built on there the fullness of truth. If we're going to get people um, to Jesus, like Mary does, we build on what's already there following, what little bit of truth that's there, and we build on that. So we don't just condemn. There have been saints, of course, that have done that. And so we can follow you know, examples of, of those saints, if that's what you want. But I think it's always uh, better, and other saints did this, uh, build on what they already believe and bring them to the fullness of truth. Huh? So, yeah, everything has a little bit of wisdom in it, and it's okay to, to find that kind of stuff. Good afternoon, sunshine. I recently saw accusations that the Pope was gaslighting the traditional movement. I have also heard the bishops give conflicting views on things. How do we know who to trust in regard to the bishops? Anyone who supports the Pope is the one we trust. Because, again... What we're called to is the magisterium. No matter what, we follow the magisterium of the church. And the magisterium is a living tradition. It's not just tradition. Uh, the Pharisees wanted a dead tradition. But God gave us the Pope to continue to lead us. He gave us the Holy Spirit to continue to lead us. And so always, we always, what it means to be Catholic is we follow the active magisterium of the church. And the magisterium is the Pope with the bishops. And again, there are many speakers out there. And there's a problem, especially when it comes to lay people. Like when I go around speaking, I have no set cost, none. 
which whatever they give me, if they give me anything, sometimes I'll, I'll give 10 talks and, you know, get very little, uh, and, you know, might pay for my expenses. Sometimes not, but we're not called what you have freely, what you have received freely, give freely. But then we have a lot of these lay people, they're going around charging $3,000, $10,000 for an hour-long talk. And some of these are very famous Catholic people. And they're the ones that are going against the Pope. And I'm thinking, hmm, here's the Pope who's working with the poor, who's giving away his life, who's discerning with the Holy Spirit, who's doing everything. And then you have people that are making money on the gospel. And they're the ones that are leading people. Uh, away from the Pope or saying he's wrong or he's a heretic. I just uh, blocked someone uh, day before yesterday on LinkedIn because uh, it was a priest who was putting on, you know, Pope, you're a heretic. I just think, really, who are you? <laughs> you know, just that. So anyone who follows the Holy Father, that's who I would support 100%. There are bishops that go against the Holy Father. I would run from them because they put themselves up as a holy father. Their, proud, their pride and their arrogance is unbelievable. There's no humility. So, by the way, I have some more successful at reading scripture. If I say no Bible, no coffee, rather than no Bible, no breakfast, there you go, whatever works for you. Um, and the Pope, when it comes to gaslighting the traditionalist movement, it's because the traditionalist movement has really went against the Pope. I mean, trust me on this. I have talked to more people, and they go there, and they want to do what they want to do. Even though the church has called them forth, that's why the, the, the Pope says no young priest can say the Latin Mass without permission of Rome. <laughs> like they do it other <gasps> How dare he? Because some people were setting themselves up against Rome and up against the Holy Father. Again, arrogance, pride, cannot be of God. It's not of God when I do it, and it's not of God when they do it either. Again, humility, 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 St. Augustine says, but we got to, again, why people do that, and that's one of the questions here. It says, hello, Father Larry, I have a problem. Can you help me understand why Roman Catholics dislike our blessed Pope? A plus in my book, a.k.a. the Bible. Kevin. Yes, again, same thing, because they want everything their way. They want a tradition that's static. Uh, they want, it's a Pharisee, Sadducee type thing that they're uh, smarter. When Jesus came and he was taking care of the poor and he was saying, does anyone condemn you? No, neither do I condemn you and go sin no more. And they wanted him dead and they killed him. And there are some people out there who are Catholic that pray for the death of the Holy Father. Now, you might look at me and say, Father, that's not true. I have heard them say that to me. Right, explicitly say that to me, that I hope he goes soon. Really? How is that ever of God? How is it ever of God? And yet these people think that they, uh, and again, am I judging them? Yes, I'm judging them. But I'm not saying anyone in particular. I'm judging a mentality. I'm not judging a person. So there is a difference there. huh? Okay. Father Larry, native Pittsburgher here, now living in Arlington, Texas. Not far enough south. you got to go down the deeper, if you ask me. Met you when you were here a few years ago. Sad news Wednesday. My sister died suddenly. Could you please pray for her, Jenny? Yeah, of course, I will. And all of us here will pray for Jenny. Harry, your story about praying on a plane at one, point, at one time, as a one-time pilot, 
If I was flying and a priest started praying, boy, when I check all the instruments carefully, I never tell them, you know, but sometimes pilots are like, oh, it's good to have you on the plane, Father. I can't tell you how, because I always wear my clerics. I've never been on the plane after I've been ordained without my clerics on. And uh, it always helps people. You know, it always, they come in and say, oh, Father, I'm glad that you're here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, again, uh, yes. Okay, Harry, good. Danielle Stark, my church had a vigil mass last night. I was the altar server. Good job. I had a vigil mass last night too at 515. Um, Kevin, thank you, Father, for your prayers and friends of our hope. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Father Larry. Sent you an email. Been asking for everyone to pray. I have have been praying. Just because I uh, don't respond doesn't mean I'm not praying. So I have been praying. Uh, Father Tony, are in Pittsburgh Diocese in his last days due to cancer again. We want to all pray for Father Tony. Uh, please pray either for healing or for a happy death, the ultimate healing, as you have said. You got it. Also pray for his elderly mother. Isn't that something when you outlive your mother? That'd be sad for her. Not for him. He's going to heaven by God's grace. So I always think, think tell him uh, you get to see Jesus soon. Ah, bless God. And again, have... Uh, Christmas is uh, great to spend Christmas in heaven, please. Great to spend Christmas in heaven. So he gets to be with Jesus, not just think about him. Good afternoon, Father Larry. Is it okay for the parish to have an electric candle in the sanctuary next to the tabernacle instead of a real candle? It's not ideal. Um, they want you to use a, 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 um, a 100% wax bees candle for that. Uh, but some places do, and I'm sure they get permission for that. You know, you can always give dispensations for different things. Harry Wanda, it must be our parish church has an electric lamp. Yeah, it's not ideal. Like I say, that's not the law, but it can have, uh, you know, some places have electric turn on uh, votive candles now too. Okay, let's go to our, uh, here. Is it okay? Yes. Two questions. I recently was chatting with a friend who is my sister-in-law's 91-year-old mom, a lifelong Catholic. She wondered when Jesus stopped being Jewish. Never. I never thought of that. I didn't know what to say. So I ask you, when did Jesus stop being Jewish? He never stopped being Jewish. Uh, He was Jewish when he died. A Christian is a follower of Jesus. So Jesus wasn't a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. Also, I have a concern. When someone dies, we try to comfort our grieving friend by saying their loved one is now seeing the face of Jesus. They are now in heaven, well, we hope. In paradise, which is so beautiful, which sounds great, but actually we don't know if they're going, if they're suffering in purgatory. Are we doing grieving people a disservice by saying that? Will we discourage them from having masses said for their deceased loved ones? I think it's not either or, it's both and. Like I always tell people, especially like when I talk about my mother, that I anointed her seven times, I gave her the last rites. And one of the things about uh, the promise of the church, if you get the last rites, that's why you pray for a happy death, that you get a plenary plenary indulgence at the moment of death. So that's full remission of all confessed sin. So after you've forgiven sin, and forgiveness is given uh, as part of uh, the anointing of the sick of the last rites, it's in, uh, right in there. Remember, if you read James, it says, Are any sick among you? Let them send for the priests of the church. Let the priests lay hands on them and they uh, and lay hands on them and anoint them with oil, and they will be made well. And if they have committed any sins, their sins will be forgiven. Okay? It's in James. So 
you have that. So it's why it's important that people get the last rights. Um, but again, when they, uh, we have no idea. So it's always, I would say, again, if you're, uh, if you're a Catholic, make sure on the top of your will, say the will cannot be open until you have a mass because more and more kids are not bearing their parents Catholic. And, I, and people are going to daily mass. And when they die and then their kids don't care and they don't even have a mass for them, and I think it's terrible. But no, we're not doing a disservice. We can always talk about the hope of heaven. Um, so... Recently, upon five feet of snow, what the heck? I know we had seven feet a couple years ago. Okay, let's go on here. Do 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 do. Blessed very blessed Virgin Mary, intercede for us all, united to the second, united to the Holy Family. Grant us the Holy Spirit, full of grace, heaven, and blessings. There you go. Good afternoon, Father Larry. Blessed solemnity, you got that. I like the format now. I'm glad. Okay, let's go back to another email here. I get daily emails and meditations of Divine Mercy and Sister Faustina. I find them very different and intimate with her and have a hard time relating. I trust in His mercy. I just ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand what I'm supposed to understand. Do you have any advice on forgiving people who are not sorry or have not apologized? It's easy for me to forgive, even deep hurts if there's an apology. I'm struggling to forgive someone I love because they are not sorry if I forgive them. Uh, it seems as though they did it, it's okay. This is, uh, always comes down to what did Jesus do, huh? Jesus on the cross forgave people, Father, forgive them who did not ask for forgiveness. And so we're called to forgive, not for their sake, but for our sake, you know? And so it releases them, and more so it releases me. Again, as I've said a million times i got from somewhere it's been around for a long time if you don't forgive someone it's like drinking poison and hoping they die so you forgive for your own self so you can be set free and because every time you say the lord's prayer you're saying forgive as we forgive so you're saying god if i'm forgiving forgive me if i'm not forgiving damn me <laughs> you know so it's like okay so you do it for your stuff okay and then uh Sister Divine Mercy and Sister Faustine is good, but again, it's the same thing. This is uh, private revelations. You do not have to believe in this to be a good Catholic. That's why my biggest thing is always to go to the Word of God. And the Word of God uh, is God's Word. And if you pray the Holy Spirit, it has the power to change you. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Okay. This we got confused. Um we listen to your podcast every week. You keep saying sin is being self-focused. Yes. Does this mean not caring for yourself? Of course not. Ignoring our legit needs, etc. I can't recall you mentioning this point. Well, of course. In fact, we just talked about it, well, the other night with the women, that um, uh, you do whatever the Lord tells you. So again, I fast. I haven't been fasting this last couple of weeks because all this stuff people bring me. But anyway... Uh, but when I fast, it's for spiritual realities, but it also helps my diabetes. Again, um, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we take care of this because this is where our bodies is where God dwells. So we got to take care of it, but we don't do it out of selfish reasons. We do it because God dwells inside of us. The point of life, of course, 
is to be like Jesus who gave away his life on the cross and constantly gave away. But there are times where Jesus walked away from people. There was times where Jesus, you know, they're looking for you and he says, I have to go to other places. There were times where Jesus would spend the night in prayer. Um, there were times where Jesus paid taxes and all that kind of stuff. So we got to do the things because God gave us a body and God gave us that we have to take care of ourselves. That's why, like this morning, I was up at 3.54 in the morning, um, went down, now in front of the Blessed Sacrament, looked at the Word of God. The Word of God came from me for one Thess- or two Thessalonians, 1.1. 1, 1. And uh, it's interesting because in the scripture that I have next to my bed, the old New American, it says... Uh, you who belong to God the Father and to Jesus. Some of the other scriptures don't say it, but I was, um, I was like, really, like I belong to God the Father and I belong to Jesus. And then when I did morning prayer, it came from Isaiah, and it says, uh, do not be afraid, you are mine. I'm like, yeah, I really belong to Christ. So that's been, been spending time meditating on that all day. So, but again, then I went and I worked out for a half hour, and then I came and I did my whole year. And I do that every morning, most mornings. Let's go back. Uh, two days ago I didn't because uh, I was tired. Anyway, so, uh, but either way, I do that. I put all that time in in the morning so I can give my uh, life away later in the day. Um, so you can do that, and you do that so you have something to give others. So I'm talking about not, when we talk about being other-centered, it means like, okay, I do what I need to do for me in the morning, and then I can give the rest of the day away to everybody else. Um, and that's a good thing. Now, again, sometimes I don't feel like giving myself away at the end, you know, because sometimes I get, uh, you know, like I'm the pastor trying to write books. I have podcasts. I have a foundation. I have a... Uh, uh, retreat program called Divine Mercy Encounter. I have a, uh, I'm the spirits director of Catholic Men's Leadership Association. And so everybody's constantly pulling me and asking me to do things. And sometimes I get overwhelmed with that because I spend hours on one thing and I have to focus and do something else. And I know people around me go crazy with that. But to be where I'm at in the middle of everything, it just sometimes I'm, you get irritated. And so we got to make sure that we take care of ourselves so we're not irritated with people, and we got to do that. So it's not either or. Again, it's both and. You take care of yourself, you take care of others, but you need to make sure that you take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Okay? Hope that helps. Okay, let's go back to the thing. Mary, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Barbara. Thank you. Dear Father, can you please explain what Catholic neocats are? I do not know. Sorry. Um, neocats. I, I'm not, I'd have to look it up, so sorry about that. Chris Walker again. Difference between judging someone and judging actions after disagreeing with that person, pray and fast for them. Yes. And again, you can, uh, we always have to uh, disagree with uh, or judge actions, but we just don't know what's in the heart of somebody. I know that most of the times when I have done, when I have judged people's uh, uh, actions or I judge a person and I find out why they do it and it's like, ah, I'm just, who am I? I mean, again and again, it's just stupid what I do. And um, so again, but actions, we can get away with judging. Hi, Father. My son made 
you those wooden American flags. Perfect. I, uh, I only saw one, so I don't know if they kept the other one here. If they, I have no idea. I only got the one, and it's hanging out at my house beautifully as I took a picture of that. But uh, I don't know whatever happened to the other one. Uh, they did something with it. Maybe I just didn't see it. But I got the one, and it is up on my wall. So hopefully uh, he can make a good uh, uh, living on that stuff, too, as an aside. Tell him again, thank you. I sent him a note, but thank him again. Uh, we love you, Father Larry. Thank you, Mark and Lisa. Good, and we've been praying for you, too, and your struggles. Father, I may be working in Erie later this month. Are you in Erie through New Year's? I am in Erie until the 9th of uh, January. And again, I'll go to Pittsburgh and that. Uh, my stepfather's still in the hospital. Continue to pray for him. Today is his birthday. He's 84 years old, so I called him today, and I said, you still in the hospital? He goes, yes. <laughs> he said, Happy birthday in the hospital, so pray for him. Hi, Father Larry. Can a Catholic attend a civil wedding being done outside the church of a non-practicing Catholic? Would this be considered bearing false witness? I always say, uh, if it's not your son or daughter or brother or sister, I wouldn't go um, because I'd go to the reception or whatever, but you don't want to encourage that. But again, if it's your son or daughter, or brother and sister, if you don't go, do they feel like you're judging them? As long as they know where you stand on that. But again, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just telling you, you got to ask Jesus. Jesus ate and drank with sinners. And again, um, it's like these type things that get me in the most trouble. And I don't really care about getting in trouble. And I care about uh, what would Christ do? And he ate and drank with sinners all the time. Sometimes, like I went to my mother's civil service when my mother got married outside the church. Uh, I was just a seminarian then, but I was there. Um, and I kept the doors open so I could later on marry her as a deacon. So again, we need to be able to keep the doors of communication open, not close it. Uh, but again, you got to ask the Lord because there's so many different uh, situations going on. Neocatechumens, not sure of the spelling. Just, there you go. There's a neocatechumen movement, um, and they're very big in uh, some places. We don't have them in Erie, but I've heard great things about it, um, about bringing people into intimacy with Jesus. Sometimes we just go through the motions, and we need all of us to not go, ever go through the motions with our relationship with Christ, but truly be into intimacy, relationship with Jesus. Okay? Um, so, yeah, they are a group from Spain, but they're all over there, throughout the United States, too. Hope you're well. I have a question for your podcast. I'm a long, lifelong Catholic, but I'm struggling to understand the basic tenet of faith. It is said that Jesus saved us from our sins. I'm wrestling with this. How did he save us from our sins, and what exactly does it mean to be saved from sin? When you and I were born, we were born into sin, and that would be separation from God because God is a just God. So his justice had to be fulfilled, and so Jesus, who is God, says, I will myself pay their sins. So all of us are born separated from God. Jesus comes and he takes our sin upon himself, and he dies for that sin to set us free so that we don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. Again, most Catholics don't get that. They still think that we have to earn it. 
you know, and again, our blessed mother and his feast immaculate conception didn't earn anything. It was all grace, but she had to say yes to it. We have to say yes to what Jesus Christ did for us. And then we got to let him take over our lives. Too many Catholics are Pelagianists. They're trying to earn salvation. You need to work out salvation, but you can't earn it. And so he paid the penalty. So that's why we need to be grateful all the time instead of constantly thinking, I wonder if I'm going to hell. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, this abusive marriage thing. The only thing I can tell you, and this is, uh, I'll go through this next week, but you don't have to stay in an abusive relationship. God does not want you to be abused. And he wants you to save, especially your children. If your spouse is abusing your children, you get them the heck out of there. And you get the heck out of there. You don't sit there and say, well, I got married. Ah, ah, ah. You got married to someone who's supposed to support you and love you as Christ loves the church. And if that person isn't doing it, you don't just sit there. You could be killed. Your kids could be killed. So you get out, and that's okay. Um, but, and again, that's an objective reality. You still got to talk to priests and people that are going to help you through that. But you should not stay in an abusive relationship, period. Especially if they're abusing your children. You know, uh, it's just what it, that's just, I'm going to deal with this. And there's another one I'll deal with next week. So these two, I want to deal with that next more next week. And I'll deal uh, with any other questions coming in. Um, and the thing about Christendom, I don't have time to answer right now. So, but it's a, um, what are your thoughts on a debate within Christendom regarding the age of the earth? I have heard pious arguments from both the teaching of the churches, God created, how he created. That's up to, to be debated. So, um, we're not fundamentalists. We have to believe that God created the world in seven days because the first day there wasn't a 24-hour period yet. So a day could be thousands of years. Again, um, look at the catechism. The catechism explains all that a little bit more. But again, I got to go now. I haven't seen my shrink in like over a month, so I get to see him uh, today. And so know that I'm praying for you and I love you and I pray for you every day and I just ask you to please pray for me that I always stay faithful to the truth, faithful to Jesus, that I never do or say anything apart from his will, if you would. And I'll pray for you. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Amen.